Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King. Alongside me is Greg Kabakshian. Greg, welcome. Debut on the Liberty B-Side Podcast. Good to see you. It's good to be here. Okay. So uh, look at you. You're like you're like less than a month in as the church planning pastor resident, and you're on the B-Side Podcast already. Yeah. Good job. Nice. I feel you're, like I made it. You've arrived. Yes. This is it. This is the um, you're here. You preached yesterday. So, yeah. right, as anybody listening to the podcast would know, we debrief the sermon Maybe especially in in preparation for Bible studies, but we're still doing that right now, even before Bible studies formally start up again in the fall. Just some takeaways and commentary on the sermon. And you preached yesterday. I thought you did a really good job with that. Thank you for doing that. Um, give me just like, even before we get into the the summary of the sermon and the questions, maybe just give give again like a 60-second introduction of yourself to anybody's listening going like, yeah, that guy Greg. I keep seeing that guy or hearing that guy. Who's that guy again? Who are you, Greg? My Who name's are you Greg. Here? I'm uh, I'm married to Alexis, and I have a daughter named Lila. Um, those are the most important things That's about it. me. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. That's about it. And you're a pastoral resident here at Liberty. <laughs> I'm a pastoral resident okay. here at Liberty since like two weeks ago. Since yeah. two weeks ago, maybe three. It has been three. Has, yeah, I think it's been right. three weeks. Yes. Okay, yeah. And looking forward to. I think most of the people listening to this have probably know, already know this or remember it, but it's always worth saying things multiple times. Greg, your, your residency is going to be with us for about 15 to 18 months. Um, there's, an, there's an eye on having you send out to, to join Midtown Community Church as that church is going to be soon planted and rising up in Midtown Harrisburg. Um, Community Free Church in Harrisburg is really taking a lot of effort to plant that church. We're partnering with them to do that. There's some great behind-the-scenes stuff and partnership that we're doing with them. And so you have both a, a dynamic role here as a resident here at Liberty, being a part of our staff, leading uh, pieces of the church here, including Liberty students, um, and also with this long view uh, to go out and be part of Midtown Church. So uh, we're excited about that and grateful that you're here as our resident. And preaching yesterday was it was a joy. I, I enjoyed hearing you preach and having you uh, you teach our congregation, and it was edifying, and, and, and I think for myself and, and many others, too. So, yeah, grateful to have you here. Man, I'm glad to be here. It really is a, a huge blessing to be able to be here, and, like, <laughs> it really is. Sundays have been the highlight of <clears throat> my past few weeks, every single week, like the best part of my week. It's great. Sunday worship. It's awesome. Yeah. Terrific. Well, you preached yesterday. Give us the... 60 to 120 second summary. Someone just walked in you on the street and said, oh, what'd you preach on yesterday? Give us kind of that rundown real quick. So we talked about Sabbath, the rhythm of grace of Sabbath. And we had three big points. The first one was Sabbath as rest. The second was Sabbath as rebellion. And the third was Sabbath as remembering. And so in Sabbath as rest, we talked about how Sabbath um, actually like pre-existed the Ten Commandments. It's a creational ordinance. It was given by God to human beings as human beings in the act of creation. And uh, then we talked about how it's a celebration. It's a celebratory rest that it doesn't have to be a a drudging kind of strict, uh, exactingly strict, boring day, but it's actually like a lavish celebration. It's, It's a genuine rest. Then we talked about Sabbath as remembering or rebellion. We talked about Sabbath Mm -hmm. as rebellion, um, how Israel 
was like uh, practicing the Sabbath in contradistinction from the other surrounding cultures of the day. Sometimes we forget like Israel was a culture among other cultures. They Mm -hmm. didn't exist just by themselves in the middle of the desert. Like they had to interact with uh, Babylonians and Hittites. And and so, um, and the practice of Sabbath was subversive for them. So they rebelled against their cultures by practicing Sabbath. And we do the same against our consumerism, against our workaholism, um, and all the other lies that our culture tries to get us to believe in practicing the Sabbath. We're rebelling against those and following God. And then finally, Sabbath as remembering, which is kind of like the crux of it all. It's the centerpiece of Sabbath. Is uh, talk about how Sabbath is really about salvation, mm. about Jesus as our ultimate Sabbath rest. Um, humans were designed for an eternal rest that we never got to enter because of Adam. Um, but the second Adam comes along, and and through him we get yeah. eternal Sabbath rest here already, but in a not yet way as well. So someday we'll experience it to its fullness. Yeah. Yes, Greg, I love how I really did enjoy um, how you closed your teaching and, and just bringing us to the table. We do that every week. We come to the communion table after our teaching time. And I thought you did a really, you know, I think you did that intentionally, of course, in preparing. But um, something that we love here at Liberty is how we always go to the table each and every week after after the sermon. And um, that was very clear and evident yesterday why we would why we do that, um, because Jesus, you know, revolutionized the Sabbath um, and, and we, we come to the table as a result. So yeah, that was really well done. That was great. Um, okay. So my wife, Abby did lean over me when you announced your three points and she asked a, like a literal, like she asked this question, which most people would wonder if this is like a joke, but I think because of Matt Loyan, our pastor here, and because of his just, I mean, his just complete commitment to doing this. 99 out of 100 times, it's actually a real question that like most people are like, oh, it's a joke of a question. I think people here would actually ask questions for real. You had your restroom rebellion and remembering, the alliteration. Yeah. And Abby actually asked, did Matt ask him to do that? <laughs> do you know this about Matt? No. He this is, is hilarious. He is alliteration always, all the time. I mean, it never misses. Absolutely. It's just like he is the alliteration king. And so when you did that, I like kind of like chuckled and Abby actually asked, and like a fair question, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to throw Abby under the bus. Was a, I think people were like, oh yeah, of course, that's the way we preach here at Liberty. We have the alliteration three, three points. points it's just what we do. Yeah. I actually, you know, yesterday, yesterday in your sermon at one point, you, you said this a moment ago, how we can rebel against culture in celebrating the Sabbath. You actually use the phrase, if you want to rebel against the man, right? You kind of like threw that in there, right? Kind of poke the bear a little bit. Um, I sometimes in my sermon prep, I refuse to use alliteration just because we use it here every single sermon. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, I will not use alliteration. But you did. And it worked really well. So yeah. there you go. Good job. Thank you. Hey, we got a couple questions in. Yep. All right. Let's add, I'll take them one at a time here. So <clears throat> this questioner asks, when I was young, Sabbath was emphasized as a day of rest and strict formal worship of God. Now... It seems like the pendulum has swung towards not working and enjoying the goodness of life. When does enjoying God's Sabbath cross the line into indulging in hedonism? A lot in that question, a lot to unpack there. Probably would be a good moment of like if we did the phone-in question, we could actually ask this questioner a little bit more about their experience growing up. I personally probably perceive two different things going on here in the question. One, 
hey, when you're younger and your parents are trying to create boundaries for your Sabbath experience, yeah. your your experience and impression of them versus the intent, that's worth kind of calibrating a little bit. Um, now, your, your experience of the Sabbath, maybe with more freedom in life as you're older and have more of your own decision making, um, there's a lot to maybe discern there and talk about. The root, the root question is here is when does enjoying God's Sabbath cross the line into indulging in hedonism? So, I mean, give me your reaction quickly to the question and direction. We can kind of, we can bounce around through it, but give me, what was your reaction to the question here? My reaction is just like, it, it, it crosses the line into indulging in hedonism when, I, I don't know if that's particular to the Sabbath. When it, when any activity crosses into hedonism, it does so on the Sabbath too. So like, every good gift of God is meant to have this horizontal aspect where we enjoy the good <clears throat> gift as a good gift and then also a vertical aspect where like once we enjoy the good gift it should stir our hearts in thanksgiving for god for giving mm. the gift for being yeah. creative himself and so if ever i just play my wife in tennis and then and it doesn't lead me to worship uh, i think that's a problem if i ever drink you give that example yesterday of like yeah the sabbath activity you'd enjoy just like the the pure enjoyment of a recreational activity like playing your wife in tennis. Yeah. Who you said yesterday oftentimes beats you. All the time. In tennis. Yeah. Yes, All okay. the time. All I don't time. know if I've beaten her. Okay. Yet. Yeah. But like the point of that is like I can enjoy that activity, but the yeah. goal of it is not to terminate upon itself as an end in and of itself, but to lead my heart into a greater worship of God and thanksgiving for creating a world in which tennis could even be a possibility. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and when... When our enjoyment of certain things starts to be the end mm. of it all and not a means to the end of greater worship of God, then I think it becomes problematic. Yeah. Here's my thought, which I, I kind of mean as a question. You can you can push back, ver- validate with me, or yeah. just or just let me float it out there. And we're not always, I don't think we're always in the moment thinking that, but right. we should be discerning that in our habits and our disciplines. And so as I'm playing... You know, if I'm exercising, you love to play tennis, maybe I'm on, on the rowing machine or swinging a kettlebell or playing basketball or play with my kids in the backyard, all these things that are happening, I can enjoy that activity without every single moment going, like, I'm not like, you know, rowing on the rowing machine. Every time I, I pull the bar, I'm like, right. God's good gift, you know, and I'm like <laughs> breathing, God's good gift, right? It's like, you know, but we enjoy these things and we can look at the, uh, the patterns that get created and when... I kind of respond. When does it become hedonism? Uh, when our pleasure, when it's putting our, when we're experiencing a pleasure that's not orienting us toward God, that's when it becomes like hedonism. The pleasure is only for ourselves, right. and it's this internal kind of inward look. Um, and I do like what you said. You kind of said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the Sabbath, and I'll raise you at the other six days too." It's like hedonism shows up in life all the time. The Sabbath isn't necessarily distinct in how we could be. We need to be aware of where our pleasure is being placed. Right. Yeah. I think that's okay. That's good. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, the other piece that I have here is, you know, um, this is good. I want to encourage this, this person, like, hey, go talk with your parents. <laughs> you know, go talk with your parents. And um, something else, maybe, you know, the humility we have, we should have in our lives. Um, you know, I think when you become a parent, and I have, I'm a parent now with four young kids, and so I haven't had kids that are past the age of nine because my oldest is nine. But man, parenting is a really humbling experience. And if if you're not when you're raising kids, uh, 
creating, like having more empathy for your own parents, there's mm-hmm. probably like a little bit of an opportunity, maybe to miss, at least it's an opportunity to just go like, wow, when my parents were raising me, um, you know, you when I, I put it this way, I can think about memories I have in my life. I can think about my parents in those memories. And when I do the math to go, what age were they in that memory? Right. When you're younger, you're like, well, my parent, they know everything. They're the old, they're the authority. They, they're the man, right? They just, and they know everything. And eventually like, you know, the cape falls off your parents. They're not superheroes. You come to see that too. But when I do the math and go, oh, like that memory I have of my parent, I'm that age right now of my children and life is hard and parenting is hard. And we're trying to like teach our children and raise our children in like the fear and knowledge and the instruction of the Lord. And that's really difficult. And you know, life brings challenges. And so I'm not, I'm not, uh, assigning anything to this relationship of this person to their parent. I'll just say, go talk with your parents because your perception of where the day of rest was strict even the using the word was like it was a strict formal day of worship of God. Um, we as parents try to create boundaries and guidelines for our children that have good intentions. And we learn that some of them don't go well and some of them do. And we're always trying to read and react those moments and mature and grow, grow, grow ourselves. I can remember myself growing up. We had, we were not allowed to play outside on Sundays. Um, and I was like the young, youngest of three, the only boy. And like everyone would take a nap and I'll be in the house like, what are we doing? Like I'm just, I was in there, I'm just playing everywhere. It's kind of like what my son does now. It's right. Everyone tries to take a nap and he's just all over the place. Um, and then over growing up, those, that formality kind of loosens and you start to experience other things on a Sabbath. And that doesn't mean that what did happen was wrong or what is happening is automatically right. There's a lot of discernment in that process. Right. Maybe Greg, give me your reflection on how any one of us, a parent or not, would look at certain activities and go, is that the type of activity I can or should do on the Sabbath day? Yeah. So first I would say, while we can give some like guiding principles, it's not going to be the same for every person or every family. Like I think mm-hmm. some of the discussion, even in the Bible, about the Sabbath is deliberately ambiguous so that it can be tailored to people's unique experiences and personalities. Sure. But a guiding principle would be like, does it help you as an individual and a family rest and rejoice in God? Mm -hmm. Does it bring you more in love with your creator and more amazed at his creation or less? And so generally speaking, um, almost anything, this is general, but almost anything with a screen is probably not going to do that very well. Mm. Um, so like turning off your phone, not watching a ton of TV is like a huge step in like Sabbath keeping direction. Um, and then the other thing is like that the fourth commandment seems to uh, <clears throat> prohibit work. So it's like, well, what you mean by work could be different than what I mean by work. Sure. And so if exercise to you is not work, but it is to me, then it might be wrong for me to go lift on the Sabbath, but not for you. Sure. And so, uh, or the person who wants to work really hard by tending their garden, right? You know, it could be very different than the person who's working real hard by getting ready for this week's meetings or getting stuff done from the leftover stuff from last week. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah I think that the other comment I had here I wrote, wrote down was, um, you, you mentioned this yesterday, it kind of came to mind, like unless we put a boundary around 
um, something like it's it's not going to happen, right? We never uh, we never protect it by accident, right? Right. That's maybe the, the phrase you use there. And so, um, and you you use this the idea of like the governor, meaning like the limitate the, the 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 mechanism of limitation. Mm-hmm. The Sabbath is a governor to the busyness of our lives. Again, I'm maybe just I'm I'm addressing this questioner. Um, when you're a parent putting get boundaries around children, you you start. You start strict. You start in a way that feels strict when they're younger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how do you help children go? Hey, there's things. There's something called dessert in life, and it's really good, and we get to enjoy dessert. And yet, as you get older, you're like, wait a second. Like, I can now, I can manage my dessert intake at a different level now. When you were a kid, you couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so we'd say, we say things like, no ice cream tonight. And it's like, is that because ice cream is a bad thing? No, it's just because as a young child, you're not able. I'm the governor for you. Just as the law is a governor for me and God's commands govern me to slow down the business of my life, as a parent, I'm a little bit of the human expression of a governor for you as a child. I'm helping you see the boundaries that are good for you. Right. Right. And so that's where I'd say, again, go talk with your parents about this. Let that also be um, an instruction in two ways now, because as you get older, there is a conversation that becomes refreshed and anew with regard to, hey, mom or dad, how, how did you discern this? When I was younger, how would you discern it for me now? Yeah. Here are the things that I'm seeing as a young man or woman. Can I share them with you? Now we start to sharpen each other a little bit in that yeah. as you get older. Um, and prepare yourself for the, the day if you have children where you're going to try to like bring all this and institute now for them. And um, again, hum- that's a humbling experience. Right. So um, that's good. Um, any further thoughts on that? Anything, anything you want to add there? I think you have to. No. Okay. Here's the next question. Um, what does it look like for God to rest, right? So the Bible tells us that God rested from his work, right? And that now is this creation order expression. The law is rooted in creation. And then then that changes. Maybe review again what you said yesterday, how the, how the, there's more revelation that comes organically, even in the old Testament for why the Sabbath exists. Review that again, as you taught it yesterday. And then we'll get into this question of like, what what does it look like for God to rest? Yeah. So the 10 commandments, the law is given twice, once in Exodus and once in Deuteronomy. That's what Deuteronomy means is the second law. And so in Exodus, um, the fourth commandment comes with an explanation for why it's given. Um, and the explanation for why the fourth commandment exists is because God rested on the seventh day. So mm-hmm. um, God, who wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger, draws the rationale for why the Sabbath exists to his act of creation and rest, that paradigm. And then the law is re-given in Deuteronomy with an explanation, but this time the explanation is different. The explanation in Deuteronomy is that God, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, brought them out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so the rationale has grown organically, not in a in a way that is um, like incompatible with the other, but from creation to redemption. The reason for the Sabbath being celebrated in Exodus is creation, and the reason <clears throat> for the Sabbath being celebrated in Deuteronomy is redemption. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that it, it narrows, right? Because the ultimate reason for celebrating the Sabbath is Jesus Christ. Sure. So what does it look like? That's good. Well said. Um, some things I want to pick out there in a moment. So what does it look like for God to rest? Let me ask, let's actually ask this question. Yeah. When God rested from his creation, 
What did he do? He didn't throw his feet up on the, you know, on the ottoman and, and right. lean back in the chair. Because right? he was just exhausted. Because he was just he exhausted. God, didn't, God was not exhausted. Right. Right. He did not run out of strength. He wasn't tired. Um, so what did it look like for God to rest? That's a hard question. It's almost yeah. easier to say what it doesn't mean for mm. God to rest than what he does. Like, it doesn't mean that he was exhausted. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he stopped sustaining the universe actively. Because if God were to stop actively sustaining the universe, the universe would not exist. Right. Um, yeah, not to even just fall apart. It would just not exist. It would just, yeah, nothing yeah. can exist without his, act, but, you know, without being sustained by the power of his word. And so probably what God resting means is a way to say that his act of creating everything from nothing mm. was now complete. Mm -hmm. It's not like he set yeah, the universe up, wound it up like a clock, and now it's taken by itself. Right. He's still actively upholding everything. But his initial act of creating everything from nothing is finished. Yeah. Um, That's good. I love the way that you say his act of creation is complete. Because I think that is, I think there's a mystery. I'll agree with you. There's a mystery of here of what it looks like that God rests. What I do think, and I love what you're saying, it's probably easier to describe what it's not than what it is. I do, we, I do think it is a, a command and a teaching and instruction for us. So just as God, his, his creation is complete, there's something about the relationship that we have with God that becomes complete. And so it was complete in the perfect creation. Something about that in a large way comes undone with sin entering the world. And now um, what was rooted in creation as rest is now completed in the rest that Christ gives when he says, I will give you rest. The New Testament, right? You even talked about that verse yesterday, Matthew 5. Right, come to me, mm -hmm. all who are heavy laden and weary and burdened. Right, so I will give you rest, and that's where the completion comes again. It's not us striving for something that we can't bring about ourselves. Right, right? and so when where do we find rest? Well, we find rest in the complete and promised, fulfilled salvation offered to us by God through Christ. We mimic that, and we we. We create a, a rhythm of that, and we have a discipline of that. We experience that in part, but not in full, in the Sabbath rest that we have as a yeah. rhythm of grace throughout the life, which is why our lives, which is why it's a rhythm of grace here, why we call it out as a rhythm of grace. We didn't, we didn't create this. We just call it out and say, there it is. It's a rhythm of grace for us. Yeah. Something moving us toward completion. Yep. Yeah. And on, we could get like a little bit. A little nerdy with it. Get nerdy. And Man, let the people know who you are, Greg. You're a so nerd. So, like, if, if we, like, zoom out at the and look at the meta narrative of Scripture, we can look at Sabbath as um, the Bible has always talked about Sabbath rest as, like, a way of describing this, uh, this eschatological consummate rest that human beings were designed for. So, in the garden, um, they probably practiced Sabbath once a week, just like God to imitate God. And Adam and Eve were given this test. Don't eat of this tree. You can eat of any tree, but not this tree. And presumably, like, if Adam and Eve were to have passed that probationary test, not eaten the tree, but, like, stomped on the serpent's head when it came into the garden and killed it, mm -hmm. um, then they would have been ushered into this permanent state of rest. 
but they failed that. Yeah. And so um, God says, you won't enter my rest. They, they go east of Eden. And then there are these metaphors that pop up all throughout scripture, like the promised mm. land is described as rest. There's rest on the other side of the Jordan. There's rest in the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the big predicament of scripture is like, there's this eternal rest that we cannot get into. How can we get into the land of rest? Because we get into the land, but then we go into exile because we're disobedient. And um, we need an ultimate person to get us into the presence of God where we can finally rest like we were designed to rest. And then Jesus comes about and says, I'm the rest. Mm-hmm. I am the Sabbath. Yeah. And you can enter finally <clears throat> into that Sabbath through me. Um, which is why like the new heavens and new earth is described like a new Jerusalem. It's the ultimate promised land through through Jesus that we get access to in the ultimate land of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, honestly, the whole story of the Bible could be talked about as like, we were designed for Sabbath rest, but but we can't have it because of our sin. So how do we get Sabbath rest now? Yeah. In the predicament that we're in with our sin, we, we need a Savior to get us to Sabbath. Yeah. It's really good. Good reflections there. Uh, Greg, you know, when we get into formal Bible study seasons, we always like to leave our people with one or two application questions. Hey, as you're meeting with your Bible study this week, it, this might be a helpful question to ask. What would you offer up as a helpful question for someone either to ponder on their own, but even better to ponder with one another to apply teachings from your message yesterday. Just say like personally, individually, one, how do you feel? Like, do you feel rested Uh, or do you feel like you're constantly on the go? Um, How does your body feel? Like our, our bodies and our souls we're, we're one thing. We're a body-soul hybrid. Yeah. And uh, the way your body feels often tells you something about the state of your soul. Like, how are you sleeping at night? Things like that. How do you feel? And then two is um, how can you tailor the practice of Sabbath to yourself? Personalize it so that um, so that you can rest and delight in God in the way that he intended you to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To practice the Sabbath. It's great. It's good. Well, thank you again for, for teaching yesterday. Uh, we'll immediately be looking forward to the next time you're, you're preaching with us. I don't know the date off the top of my head. It's October. And you're preaching again. We'll be in First and Second Kings uh, in our fall sermon series. That starts up on September 11th. So we have three more weeks of Rhythms of Grace upcoming. And then September 11th starts our First and Kings sermon series. That week is when Bible studies relaunch formally. Um, again, for the fall season. So anyone listening here, you heard it yesterday too as an announcement. Uh, go to our website. Go to, go to the app on Planning Center to see the groups for Bible studies that are available. If you're not in one already, or if you're discerning which one fits, there is a group there uh, called, um, can't find a group, join this one. Because that way, if you have any questions or like you literally can't find a group, then join that one to get some help um, from myself and help me actually find a group uh, to be part of. So looking forward to seeing Bible studies launch again in a few weeks uh, in our new sermon series uh, in First and Second Kings. So Greg, thanks for joining us on the Liberty B-Side podcast. Um, thank you all me. for listening. We will see you sometime this week or at the very least, hopefully uh, next Sunday as we worship again together. Enjoy the rest of the day and week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. 
For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.